people have always loved to be scared. It's safe to assume that ghost stories are as old as mankind. They were told around campfires when we still lived in caves, and they have continued to thrive all through human history. When motion pictures were invented in the late 1800s, filmmakers initially favored themes like drama and comedy, and it wasn't until the 1930s that we started to talk about the specific horror films genre. But already from the start of movie history, there were films featuring scary stuff. The Lumiere brothers created a dancing skeleton in 1895, but that was possibly more funny than scary. The first true horror film was Le Manoir du Diable, from 1896, created by that legendary VFX pioneer Georges Méliès. It was a supernatural story filled with all those things we recognize from Gothic literature. Bats, devils, witches, cauldrons, ghosts, trolls, all appearing and disappearing in puffs of smoke. In the 1920s, the German film industry brought us horror masterpieces like The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari by Robert Wiener and Nosferatu by Friedrich Wilhelm Murnau. And in the 1930s, Hollywood, and in particular Universal Pictures, filled movie screens with characters like Frankenstein's monster, Dracula, the Wolfman and the Mummy. Horror films were here to stay, and at this time of the year they are of course especially popular. Halloween is not just a time for trick-or-treating and dressing up as ghosts, it's also a time for watching great horror films. So today, the yellow brick road is paved with headstones, surrounded by sinister mist and the eerie sound of ghouls, banshees and the children of the night. Such music they make. Follow me down that road, but be warned, who knows where that road will lead you. Hi everybody, I'm Nils Lagergren and this is Yellow Brick Road, today refashioned as an eerie graveyard. Yes, today we're going to talk about horror films and here to tell us about their special favourites in that great genre are two horror buffs from Goodbye Cancer Studios in Uppsala, executive producer Anton Söderhell and motion capture supervisor Samuel Tyskling. Welcome. Thank you. Thank nice you. to be back. <laughs> so, first thing first, why do we love to be scared? Well, why do we like to do anything? I think the modern society has that kind of uh, lack of adrenaline in everyday life. And uh, we are bound to be adventure seekers to some extent, at least most of us. Some people like bungee jumping. (laughs) Some people like horror films. I think it's like one of those basic needs Uh, in one way. And I think that's also like looking at horror movies from a society perspective. It it has that function. It's so connected with the other basic instincts. And I mean, mixing horror and sexual tension has always been like one of the tricks. Mix those basic instincts and make sure everyone enjoys it. What do you think, Samuel? I agree with Anton. To me, uh, being scared elevates any type of experience and it's a way to 
bring your whole body and mind into the present, removing all uh, all other noise that usually goes on in your head, <laughs> kind of just focusing <laughs> on the here and now, and that's that's quite powerful, I think. And usually afterwards, you're left with kind of a sense of relief and satisfaction that you, you know, pulled through even though you were really scared. Or a problem to sleep for several nights. Oh, well, that too. <laughs> so you just want to face the demons inside your head yeah. on the outside for yeah. once. <laughs> no, but I, like, I mean, I guess we've always told ghost stories around yeah. campfires and somewhat it's probably also about preparing ourselves. In nature, we have to be afraid of things. If yeah, we meet the ghost, how do we react? <laughs> yeah, but, but you're right. It's a survival instinct. Yeah, anyway. yeah. Like prepare yourself to face the danger. Yeah. <laughs> but what's your earliest memory of a horror film? Well, my first memory of being scared of a movie was after having accidentally watched uh, the Medusa scene from Clash of the Titans. Mm. The old one. Yeah. Uh, I was probably about five or six years old and accidentally stepped in when it was playing on the TV back home. I remember having nightmares for weeks afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> um, that wasn't really a horror movie, so I think my first memory of an actual horror film was thanks to my awesome sister, who, after a lot of convincing, let me watch An American Werewolf in London. Ah, that great one. I was probably 10 years old or so. Uh, the one I actually wanted to see was The Exorcist, but she figured that we should probably start a bit <laughs> lighter, <laughs> which is a good decision, I think. The power of Christ compels you! The Exorcist was, was uh, one film that really scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. Yes. Mm. And it was the last time that I didn't dare to sleep in my bed, so I went in to sleep next to mommy. I was oh. 16 years old. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was embarrassing, but I just couldn't get that image out of my head of, yeah, of yeah. her face. Still but, to this day, yeah, it's yeah. one of the most scariest ones, yeah, I would yeah. say. Yeah. I think the scary thing about that one is that it feels like a documentary. There's no music. And the acting is almost improvised in a way. It's, it's just one time. There's music, right? When he's uh, walking on the outside, he's coming, yeah. that long shot, yeah. there's mm. the mist, and there's the Mike Oldfield song. Mm. Yeah. Tubular uh, bells. Yeah. And you, Anton? Uh, it's so hard to say what the... the earliest horror movie but I have a similar experience as yourself like watching something I shouldn't be watching I think it was Terminator that was on TV and my mom and dad was watching it and we had that kind of stairs where you could see through the steps so it's mm. just the top of each step uh, I remember sneaking up from bed and quietly laying down in the stairs because they were very good at like you are not allowed to watch this, go yeah, to bed. Yeah. And that just made me super curious. And I couldn't sleep the whole night, but I, I couldn't tell them because I was like, I shouldn't have seen this <laughs> thing. <laughs> so I was so scared. Um, but uh, when it comes to horror films, I had the fortune of having like a lot of the classics already available to me. Like The Exorcist was probably one of the first ones. Uh, all those 70s, 80s, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, Terror on Elm Street. Mm -hmm. It's all those those classics that have kind of shaped the, the taste, <laughs> I would say. And it's funny seeing that as well, because it's shaped a lot of my 
aesthetics, what I like to see in a picture, not a moving picture, mm. uh, an actual like painting when it comes to framing and themes. Uh, so it's definitely made its mark. This is the bridges. Where you been? This is the But except for all those uh, classic horror movies, like my most vivid memory is uh, the Blair Witch Project. That's scary. It is. And it was so scary because the context of where I grew up, my family home is on the, like, neighboring to the forest. And in Sweden, we have a lot of those dark woods. So getting lost in the woods was something you kind of did on a fairly daily basis as a kid anyways. <laughs> <laughs> and and then seeing the Blair Witch Project and it was so close to home. Very, very believable. You don't see anything in that movie. You no. just see trees and, well, the occasional stone pile and collection of branches. But, but, it, but many of the most scary films are like that, that you don't really see anything. It's just lots of it goes on in your own head. Yeah, yeah. I guess the Jaws is also mm. uh, kind of a scary movie in that sense. And Alien, uh, yeah. it's a very, very good trick because your mind is better to scare you than anything else, I would say. Yeah. Samuel, I've heard that you have an especially weak spot for the classic Salem's Lot from 1979, and that you even have plans to go to Salem to experience Halloween. Yes. I mean, loving horror movies, it's impossible not to have seen anything uh, written by Stephen King. Mm. And the Salem's Lot is probably one of my favorite movies that he's written. Plus, it has a one of the most beautiful posters too i think yeah the, the, it also inspired the ghost cover mm. for oh, yeah. w- which album is it really cool uh, and uh, my girlfriend fortunately shares the same love for horror as i do so last year we decided to go to which city to celebrate halloween this year So the plan is for us to rent the car in Ottawa and drive for like seven hours with a few friends. And the only thing we have planned uh, is to go to uh, the Satanic Temple's Black Mass and uh, also visit Haunted Overload, which is supposed to be one of the best haunted attractions in the world. Sounds amazing. But but it's a proper event, isn't it, Uh, around Halloween? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole city turns into Halloween town, which it kind of is to begin with, but just more people. (laughs) 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 I've been thinking, like, because around Christmas, people tend to have their favorite Christmas films that they just need to see every single Christmas. I, for example, always watch Elf, Love Actually, horrible film, by the way, and It's a Wonderful Life, and a bunch of Harry Potters, for some reason. Do, do you have similar traditions around Halloween? Do you have, like, any horror films that you always need to watch? Yeah, I think, like, in Sweden, fall has just put its mist and cold and darkness over all of us. So it's the perfect time to start sitting in the sofa with your bed cover, stock up on candy. Mm. <laughs> so it's it's definitely one of those moody times of the year. I guess Harry Potter could work there as well because they <laughs> tend to have some <laughs> Halloween sequences in yeah, them. Yeah. Um, but one of my regulars is uh, Sleepy Hollow, uh, oh, just to match with... Yes, it's just such a beautiful film, and it, even though it might not be 
the traditional jump scare type of of movie. It definitely sets uh, a very nice tone with it you. It has a great atmosphere. Yeah. yeah, and then mentioning like Witch Town or Halloween Town, I guess uh, Nightmare Before Christmas mm. is another one that. It really kind of gets you in the mood. Same type of thing, though. You could watch it during Christmas yeah, exactly. and enjoy it. <laughs> you can watch it again two months later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but when it comes to more classic uh, horror films that I think one must watch, Hellraiser, The Exorcist, we've already talked about that one. I think Event Horizon is another one if you're a bit of a sci-fi yeah. uh, geek. And then, obviously, Halloween. The one oh, and only of to watch. Course, yeah. yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Halloween, that film. In a way, it was a sleeper hit, but it became a, a classic and spawned so many follow-ups. Well, what's so unique about that original film? I thought the acting was really, really good, uh, considering they had only about 20 days, I think, to record the movie. Wow. So it's a really low-budget film, and you can tell that it's really been made by um, really talented and dedicated people. And um, I find it respectful to women because usually that genre during that time, female characters were cannon fodder or like objectified. And this movie has really strong female characters. That's super interesting because it was, at least in retrospect, it's seen as one of the the first movies to establish what we today call the final girl trope. you basically have that one surviving female character and she's facing the end boss. You see it in Alien as well, and there's tons of other other examples. Mm. It also has that wonderful actor, Donald Pleasance, and they come there and they find that dead dog. You don't Mm. see the dog. The lines are like, oh, it's still warm. He was hungry. Lindsay, Lester's barking again and getting on my nerves again. Never mind. I guess you found a hot date. You don't need, need to say anything else. <laughs> it's so super scary. Because <laughs> yeah. it, it wasn't really a, an instant hit either, right, when it came out. Like, it had barely no marketing. It was just a word-of-mouth approach. And a lot of film critics, they were dismissing it as well. They thought it was too shallow and didn't really have too much of a, of a meaning to it. I think I even read a review that called it dumb, <laughs> oh, wow. uh, which in retrospect is like <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah. that review was a bit dumb. <laughs> um, kind of a bit of a mystery that it's become the cult classic it has. But uh, there was a lot of newspapers that re-reviewed it like a mm. year later and gave it kind of the, the fame uh, that it finally received. And I assume the explosion of home video market. Oh yeah, mm. of course, of Probably course. Helped, yeah. yeah, I think the budget was around $300,000 mm. and uh, adjusted for inflation, it, it was like $280 million box office. You might have to look up those numbers, <laughs> but it was somewhere <laughs> around that. But yeah, and I also think they managed to do uh, even though it is it is very simple. It's mm. a very, very simple plot. Uh, mm. But they managed to kind of nail down the mix of sexual tension, of teenagers, and the, the horror and the terror that it would put on a small town like that. 
Yeah. Um, and of course, it's John Carpenter, so you have to talk about the music too. Definitely. Oh, yeah. definitely. The theme, I think, is used very, very cleverly mm. uh, throughout the movie. I really like how he connects the theme to the Mike Myers character mm. in a way that I haven't seen in other movies around that time. So really beautiful music work. It's like establishing a subconscious as soon as you hear that yeah. soundtrack. Yeah. 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 Have you uh, have you seen the the latest uh, or, or actually the last sequel? No, unfortunately I haven't had the chance yet. It just recently premiered here in Sweden and I've been uh, busy celebrating some birthdays. So <laughs> I'm I'm going to catch it as soon as possible. But it, it has I, got good reviews yeah. and Jamie Lee Curtis is returning. Yeah. That same role. The original actress, yeah. I actually managed to watch it on Friday. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it premiered on Friday, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, I really liked it. I was a bit scared that they would make it too modern, like mm. take it out of pace with the original movie, but I find they they found like a good mix between it not feeling too much like an old movie, but still has the same feeling or undertone. And I think Jamie does a really good job finding her character from like 40 years ago. She's really good. That's amazing, 40 years. Yeah. And also, if you, like I, have a soft spot for long camera cuts, mm. there are some cures for that itch too. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Sounds great. Yeah. I asked you to list some of your favorite horror films for today's Yellow Brick Road Halloween special. So... Let's dive into that list. Anton, what was the first horror film you thought of when I asked you if, if you wanted to come to Yellow Brick Road and talk horror? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like all of them at the same time. How can we... This is going to be a 24-hour pod. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> perfect. I don't. <laughs> um, no, but the first one that I sprang to my mind is a, quite a recent one. Okay, I'm going to build up the hype here now before I tell you which uh, mm-hmm. which film it is. I was so hyped before this even uh, was available. I saw the trailer, I've seen his other movies, and the style of it is just... It plays with everything I love when it comes to the, the 80s horror. We talked long camera shots, the soundtrack is perfect, and you can basically print screen any frame from the whole movie and put it up as a painting on your wall it's it's just so beautiful and it's also Nicolas Cage is um, the main star Mm -hmm. and I'm a big fan of Nicolas Cage when he is good (laughs) 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 Um, and this it might be his best role ever Uh, he's just phenomenal in it it's uh, yeah it's a pure pleasure to watch Um, it's called Mandy ah Mandy and it was uh, directed and written by, uh, I'm going to slaughter his name here, Panos Cosmatos. He also did the Beyond the Black Rainbow like eight years ago, uh, which is also a really good kind of horror, sci-fi. I mean, we're kind of a bit in the arty field here, uh, yeah. so slightly warning for pretentiousness. <laughs> <laughs> when was it released? Uh, this one was uh, this year. This year? Uh, okay. Yeah. I don't actually know if it screened here in in Sweden. I don't think I've seen that one, actually. Um, I've heard about it, and I've seen images of Nicolas Cage all covered in blood. Yeah, it's... I mean, okay, so if we dive deep into it, it has, like, a certain mix of Mad Max type of uh, uh, 
imagery. The basic plot is a revenge movie. Yeah. Uh, Nicolas Cage and his uh, girlfriend, played by Andrea Riseborough, I think that's how you pronounce it, they live uh, a super secluded life out in their dream house in the in the woods. They spend their evenings watching 80s movies, and it's set in the 80s as well, so they're just enjoying it. Uh, she has all these... Uh, band t-shirts from the era so Motley Crue and mm. yeah she's black haired uh, kind of no makeup so like the typical 80s goth rock alternative girl and uh, yeah they they just don't want to bother with other people basically and uh, then uh, there's this hippie uh, Christian kind of cult that is uh, traveling around a bit And uh, um, uh, the the cult leader sees her when she's walking to her uh, day job. And he's like, I need to have her. I need to meet her. And there's also like the plot twist that is that there's been this bad LSD batch released <laughs> that makes you more crazy than the usual acid. Um, so there's a biker gang that started taking this um, special acid and they are starting enjoying pain as pleasure so they have all these kind of like uh, metal stuff stuffed in their bodies so they kind of look a bit uh, there's like one character that looks like pinhead there's mm. one that looks like some other of those like pain demons um and this uh, <laughs> and this uh, hippie cult have a They call it the horn of something, and they blow it to to summon this like crazy biker gang. I'm gonna be spoiling a bit here, so if you're spoiler sensitive, just uh, jump forward <laughs> like a minute. <laughs> But they go to their house and they uh, um, bind him to a pole with uh, barbed wire. And then uh, they try to convince her to join the cult, but she's like has that kind of fuck you attitude. So they burn her instead in front of uh, Nicolas Cage's character. Um, wow. Super terrible. And then the rest of the movie is just uh, revenge, revenge. <laughs> pure revenge. Uh, but it's playing with all the these themes. It's it's flirting with fantasy flicks. It's with the uh, role-playing. So I guess a, a good analogy is Stranger Things, but it has not too much in common, uh, except for the color scheme. It also goes in kind of red and bluish. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just a masterpiece. Uh, so it's scary, horrible, and arty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds great. And they also stay classy. They stay away from like the male gaze and, and all of that. It's just... It's just pure revenge uh, yeah. in a very scary setting. The music is uh, Johan Johansson, uh, the Icelandic oh, yeah. uh, composer. He did the Sicario and Arrival. Uh, and it's just uh, perfect. It starts with a King Crimson song as well. So it's just... Uh, I can't stop praising this uh, film. <laughs> <laughs> um, it doesn't... Con- like, it's not the... the The Halloween type of slasher, well, it's kind of slasher, but doesn't have those jump scares. Mm. You're not on edge all the time, but it really plays tricks with your mind. Mm. 
Mm. As any good scary film should mm. do. Mm. Under the crimson, primordial sky, the wretched warlock reached into the dark embrace. You, Samuel, what's first on your list? Well, this is a very hard call, obviously, but... uh, (laughs) The first one that always springs to mind uh, is Interview with a Vampire mm-hmm. from 94. Ever since I watched it the first time, I fell in love with uh, the gorgeous 18th century gothic style, the great acting from Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise and Kirsten Dunst. Little Kirsten. Little Kirsten, yeah. <laughs> that, that's scary. <laughs> she actually She's had scared. her first on-screen kiss in that movie. Oh. <laughs> Not even being a teenager. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's got to be my favorite one, I think. And then secondly on my list uh, is a bit of an odd one. Uh, It's Silent Hill from 2006. Mm, Good one. It's uh, not a very great film per se. I mean, the story lacks a bit and the acting isn't on point Mm. all the time. But to me, the art direction is so awesome well, what's the story how was it set up it's based on a game right it's based on a game yeah, a series of games actually I think at least the three first ones are featured in that movie somehow mm. the baseline plot is about a mother trying to find her daughter uh, who's been lost <laughs> and she drives into um, a town called Silent Hill which seems to be abandoned at first, but she soon realizes that it's not. (laughs) She thought it was abandoned. Yes. So the music has always been great in those games, and since they've used a lot of the soundtrack from the games in the movie as well, it just clicks for me. It's really, really awesome, gory characters and picturesque cinematography in a way. Mm. Like... Like you said, any still frame could be a drawing. Or mm. But but, but it's quite unique that, that you make a movie based on a game and it's actually good, yes. isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there yeah. are many sad examples yeah. of the opposite. Both having like a good game and a good film is almost a unique thing. Yeah. Sharon! Sharon! Somebody! Help! What, what's next on your list, Anton? Um, this is another horror movie that came out this year, playing with some of the old classic themes. Uh, it's a debut film uh, by director and uh, scriptwriter Ari Aster, and it's called Hereditary. Mm. I think that's how you pronounce it. Hereditary. Yeah. Um, it's about a family that lives in a house. Nothing uh, out of the ordinary going on uh, for the family. The teenage boy of the family goes to high school he has his usual issues with studying and trying to flirt with a girl he wants and smoking some don't know if it's legal I, I actually don't know where it's uh, set <laughs> having some some parties on the side and he has a little sister that's a bit special um, the sister is played by uh, Millie Shapiro if you know her she has a bit of a like special 
look. Uh, it's not the the typical Hollywood beautiful face. It's uh, and I think they also overextend uh, the look quite a bit in the film. Um, Exaggerated. Uh, yeah. Um, and really playing with it. So there's a lot of close-ups, kind of uh, and lit. So you you kind of contort her her facial shapes a bit. Um, and their grandmother has uh, just recently died when the film starts. And it's just like the first hour, I think, is build up. You get to know the family, the characters, the dynamics that are going on. You get to follow them to school. Um, and then things start happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's uh, I'm not going to spoil anything. I just really recommend you to, to watch this one. It goes with a lot of like the, the, the classic themes. We're talking supernatural stuff. Uh, we're t- talking conflicts within a family. Uh, it's just very beautifully executed. And I was barely dared watching it all the way to the end. <laughs> and it's not the classical like, oh, it starts off as a feel-good movie and then it just goes to shit. Mm. It has this undertone of like agony throughout the whole yeah, movie, yeah, yeah. which puts you on the edge of the seat, at least it did for me. Yeah, and there's a lot of like clumsy photography in the beginning, mm. but then it, it felt like... Clumsy what way? Well, it's like, it's a bit amateurish shot, mm. uh, so to speak, but then the further you go into it, the more kind of well-executed photography uh, it becomes. Um, and they start doing like the long shots and composition mm. and That's placing clues in the pictures. And I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it, for me that actually uh, really added to the film as well. Cool. Yeah. yeah. It's heartening to see so many strange new faces here today. I know my mom would be very touched and probably a little suspicious. Samuel, do we have another one? Yeah, you have to mention John Carpenter's movies. I mean, we talked a little bit about Halloween, but I think my favorite one that he's done is actually The Thing. Mm, That's a true classic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I actually watched it quite recently and it holds up perfectly today. I mean, both the story is very relevant in a way. The dilemma of within a close group of friends slash co-workers, like who can you trust and how do we find out who has been infected? And it's really, really nicely done. And the VFX are just awesome, I think. (laughs) (laughs) This is pure nonsense. Doesn't prove a thing. I thought you'd feel that way, Gary. You were the only one that could have got to that blood. We'll do you last. It's kind of funny. Uh, all horror movies, it feels like they play with a simple uh, everyday life issue. Yeah. Like, oh, who can you trust at your workplace? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they are trying to climb on the hierarchical ladder. Mm. Um, there's this super basic, and then that's where you base the horror on as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the thing does that in a very nice way. Yeah. A monster that takes the shape of your best friend kind of thing. It's Yeah. I mean, imagine that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So that's definitely up there for me. Cool. Another one I uh, really enjoy is a French one. Uh, it's called Grave in French. I think they translated it or changed the name to Raw. Mm-hmm. Mm. As in Raw Meat. Ah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> directed and written by uh, Julia 
de Cournau. De Cournau. De Cournau. And it's this um, vegetarian family. The older sister has gone to veterinary school. Mm. Um, now the younger daughter is going to the same school. She hasn't had too much contact with her sister. Their parents drive her to the school and just lets her off because it's one of those... Uh, boarding schools. The boarding schools. And just drops her off at the parking uh, and says, oh yeah, reach out to your sister. And then they leave. Mm. Uh, starts out as a kind of French New Wave uh, interpretation of going to school, being away from, from your parents for the first time. Um, the the twist that happens is that there's an initiation rite and this vegetarian girl is being forced to eat uh, raw meat. Mm. Yeah, again, if you're sensitive to spoilers, you should probably not listen to this at all. <laughs> <laughs> But it kind of starts a hunger within her for raw meat. She um, craves meat. She craves human meat specifically. <laughs> uh, And uh, it just derails from there. It, it, and it's it's not the typical, um, like a few years ago, there was a line of really scary graphical French horror movies, mm. all very, very good, but they were so graphical and kind of made you a bit numb to the mm. fact that, oh, yeah, I'm seeing a limp flying off or someone chopping up a human and so quite the opposite of this that we discussed earlier but not showing things yeah. instead showing lots of things yeah but this is just yeah doing it very subtle mm. um, so first uh, boy she makes out with she starts like having this itch to bite him in the neck uh, and he ends up with her biting herself in the arm because she can't stop her mm-hmm. hunger to to actually bite down uh, and then yeah it's, it's a really good film um, also more kind of uh, building tension throughout the whole movie than the typical jump scare type yeah. of movie um, another one that was released quite recently is Split oh yeah which yes. is a really good one I really like M. Night or at least some of his work is really on point and another one that he made which is really good but I didn't see as much popularity I think is uh, The Visit mm-hmm. and uh, my only suggestion there is to see it without seeing anything before like don't read anything or don't watch any trailers oh, just yeah. see it so, so you can't say anything about I it can't now say because it. then just spoil <laughs> <laughs> just see it just Visit see it. it's really good every day it's a getting close are you holding my camera properly swerve girl uh, Um, another one uh, it's also kind of a bit more on the arty side and you could probably argue if it's a horror movie or not it's um, called Mother exclamation mark directed and written by Darren Aronofsky and uh, Jennifer Lawrence and uh, Xavier Bardem as the the lead characters and then supporting actor and actress is Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer so it's really really good actors and actresses Especially for being a horror movie, because usually they don't have budget enough to get the A-lister names in there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's the same uh, DOP that Aronofsky always uses, uh, Matthew Libatic. 
So it's once again a beautiful thing. Very, very beautiful. A lot of uh, handheld feeling and very kind of almost claustrophobic uh, shots of Jennifer Lawrence because it, it really relies on her character as the kind of the driving factor of the movie. And, and it's all taking place in that house. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. So uh, uh, Xavier's character is uh, a writer, a poet, mm. and he lives in this house and uh, they live there together. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character has redone the whole uh, house because it was a fire, so it all burned out. So she's like really done everything from ground up mm. while he has been not writing a single word. Uh, so there's a bit of tension there. Um, very isolated and I think this kind of isolation and claustrophobic feeling is really enhanced by the the photographer as well that they're so close on our character it's either straight from the back or straight from the front so you see her face you see her uh, um, the back of her head basically Um, and it's a lot of subtleties and then yeah they get a visit from uh, Ed Harris character who says he's a doctor at the hospital nearby, and he thought their house was a bed and breakfast. And the poet is like, oh yeah, sure, come and stay. Uh, Big mistake. (laughs) Well, the mother is like, really, should we just invite him into our home like this? And then the next day his wife shows up. It's like, oh, did you know he he had a wife? Did he tell you? Oh, yeah, 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 he told me. And then more and more people starts kind of showing up, things are happening. And I think, and this is classic Aronofsky, I mean, The Fountain is also kind of three different three different ways of interpreting the movie. Uh, the The most obvious one would be the, the kind of male art history, uh, yeah. getting confirmation from from the crowd and from other people. There's that part. But there's, there's a few other ways you can interpret the movie. Um, one being uh, that... The mother is actually Mother Earth, and all these people that are coming out into the house is us humans. It's deep. It, it is deep, but Aronofsky is his. But uh, is it scary? It is super scary. My girlfriend was a bit upset with me for forcing her to watch it. <laughs> Why? Why would you watch this? <laughs> it gives me anxiety. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it does. But Aronofsky is a known uh, like environment uh, activist and uh, I think he's even vegan. Vegan? It's not really that big of a deal. No and he, he's played with these themes before as well, mm. like the sustainability and things like that. And if you watch it through that looking glass, it becomes super, super interesting. Because it, it really flips out after a while, like it becomes super arty and you can't really follow what's going on. Mm. Uh, but watching it through the looking glass of mother being Earth, basically, that gives an additional layer to it. That's, uh, yeah really something special and combining that with a climate report that just came out makes it even scarier so it it really strikes a a tone with me Mm. are you happy i love you Many of the films you mention here do not have the classic monster or the classic... Uh, it sounds like you kind of favor psychological horror films, in a sense. 
Am I right? Yeah, for me it's uh, both. I mean, either it's being like grasped by the story or the the thrill itself, or more the artwork or the look of the movie. I mm. think I really like the aesthetics of a lot of horror movies. Mm. Um, Man, many of them are art in a sense because they're usually lower budget, and, yeah. and, and then you have a. Yeah. Bigger creative freedom, yeah. yeah, and it's usually like uh, the author way of doing it. Like you're writing the script and you're yeah. directing it. And I think it's uh, f- for me. Don't get me wrong. I love the kind of jump scare. Uh, yeah. Oh, he's in the closet. Oh. <laughs> uh, but uh, f- to me, that's more. It's a bit more fun almost today. Like that's that's what I watch together with friends in the sofa like mm-hmm. the the Halloween movies I mentioned they are more playing on the jump scare slasher type of theme but when I watch a movie a horror movie on myself and I really want to be scared then these psychological movies are so much more scary and they they really get deep in there and you carry them with you for for quite a while <laughs> yeah yeah do you have any other thing on your list a uh, few uh, some worth mentioning i think uh, the remake of the dawn of the dead by yeah. Zack snyder from yeah. 2004 a really well made zombie movie it's a little bit hollywoody but i think it's made in in that way knowing that itself so that it makes it okay if that makes sense exactly so i think it's it's very tasteful and entertaining And then, if you like conspiracy theories, then uh, Starry Eyes is very good. Mm-hmm. The story is about what supposedly is actually going on behind the curtains in Hollywood. Oh, ah, like that's interesting. As a aspiring actor, what do you actually need to go through to accomplish? <laughs> <laughs> And it becomes too real. Yes. <laughs> also, quite a low budget one, but um, really. Well done, I think. And uh, I also want to do a shout out to my Swedish friends over at uh, Stockholm Syndrome Film. Mm. Uh, they keep producing really entertaining, low-budget horror movies. Um, they released Wither or Vitra in oh, yeah. 2012. And they just released another movie called Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich. Mm-hmm. So make sure to see that one if you get the chance. Cool. Uh, just a few worth mentioning. I'm not going to go as deep into these ones. Uh, Get Out was a fantastic movie. Oh yeah, really good. <clears throat> I mean, it was even recognized I've been wanting by the to Oscar see it for a very long time, but my wife doesn't let me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, just say the Academy said it was good, so we need to see it. Um, no, but fantastic movie. Uh, Again, playing on one of those uh, classic uh, themes or very based in real-life issues we have, mm. uh, being race in this one. Uh, yeah, just see if you haven't. Another one I saw on the plane when I was flying back from the States uh, last time around was A Quiet Place. If you can ignore the major plot hole in it... Plot holes. Plot holes. If I may. <laughs> Holes. Uh, I thought it was very enjoyable, like super good acting. But yeah, those plot holes can be a bit. Uh, but can you really enjoy a horror film on a plane? I did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't. <laughs> no, but I was there with my noise cancellationing phones, uh, mm-hmm. so I could. Yeah, I sat I, close to the screen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
uh, nose tip to the screen. Mm. Um, but it's one of those films that, that has a unique idea in it, mm. that it kind of... It's trying out something a bit different. Yeah. 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 That's always interesting. If you're not silent, you die. That's, mm. the, <laughs> that's <laughs> the bottom line. Mm. But that's like, oh, yeah, but you should just live next to a waterfall and you're all good then. Uh, like, mm. there's a few super simple ways you could destroy the whole movie. Uh, but just ignore those. Uh, another one that's, uh, I think it was a Netflix exclusive, was Annihilation. Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, Natalie Portman. Yeah. Also a bit more in the arty spectrum. Very arty. But, yeah, quite enjoyed that one. Mm. Also, Ten Cloverfield Lane. It's a, really good. Really good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I mean, having Cloverfield in the name uh, doesn't make it a giant catastrophe movie. No. <laughs> um, it's it just starts out with this uh, character uh, being in a car crash, and mm. she wakes up inside of a bunker. And John Goodman takes care of yeah. her. Mm-hmm. And you just have to trust that. The world outside is shit, <laughs> or because uh, uh, that's what he says. You can't leave the bunker. No! 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 Don't open that door! They're going to get all of us killed. Okay, so, so any last ones? Yeah, before we end it, I would like to mention James Wan. A couple of his movies, um, Saw, first. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one that came out a few years ago it really accomplishes a lot with little means. It all takes place in one room pretty much, but it still engages you and entertains you for, for the whole 90 minutes. Or mm. And um, one of his more uh, recent ones, The Conjuring, I think, is really good as well. It's uh, kind of like a classical ghost-type horror movie, but made... In a modern spirit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good way of describing it. Yeah. yeah. I think we watched it together at the cinema. Yeah. Holding hands. Yeah. The whole time. <laughs> for real. <laughs> yeah. And then I could just give a final shout out for uh, the Swedish uh, Let the Right One In. Definitely. Well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which Goodbye Kansas did lots of visual effects for mm-hmm. in those days called Fido, yeah. but still. Yeah. And it's I a think, great film. Uh, like vampire flicks could be a whole separate pod as well. <laughs> Definitely. We we did discuss vampires in the last episode a bit and we will probably do it in many more <laughs> episodes as well. But it's kind of a golden era now as well for a, a horror lover with a lot of uh, TV shows. That's true. So like American Horror Story is one of my favorites. Mm. Um, and the Stephen King TV Oh show? yeah, uh, Castle Rock. Castle Rock, yeah. Mm. Supposed and to be really good as well. Yeah. Uh, really good. Uh, I saw all of it. It's, it has that Stephen King thing. You watch it and ignore the last five ten percent. I like those percent though. <laughs> yeah, it adds flavor. <laughs> and then the um, haunting at the Hill House. But is that one good? I heard that it's not. I think you should see it. Okay, <laughs> have to do that. We we could probably go on talking about this for hours and hours, and and I'm sure we will return to this great topic in future episode. But for now, uh, let's wrap this up and go watch some great horror films instead of sitting here talking about them. (laughs) Thanks a lot for coming. Thank Thank you. you. And you out there, thanks for listening. I hope that you got some useful ideas of films to watch now in Halloween. Take care of yourself and do get scared. As usual, you can see clips from the films we talked about at our webpage, trailers and stuff. 
And the next episode will not be scary at all. It will be all about the Fredrikstad Animation Festival in Norway. In other words, lots of great animation. Until next time, goodbye, à bientôt, auf Wiederhören, vi hörs.